Hey guys, you're listening to episode 115 of the School of Intuition Soundcast, and I'm Natasha Che. So yesterday I was doing my usual journaling, and it suddenly dawned on me that, you know, I am a such a different person now compared to a year ago. Now, raise your hand <laughs> if you feel the same,、um, and I bet I'm not alone in this because you know, the past year has been really quite a trip, and、uh, in 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 so many different senses. And I think this past year, one of the one of the impacts that it had on people. Is that it made so many of us realize how fungible and mutable the so-called reality is, and things that we hold as stable and normal, or the way things should be, can change so quickly, and they do. And when that happens, it has such an interesting effect. On the human consciousness, because it shakes you out of whatever you know box that we put ourselves in, right? So, as you know, if you've been listening to the past few episodes, I've been talking a lot about this consciousness evolution, and I truly feel like we are in this, you know, a crucial time of a quantum leap. In the evolution of human consciousness, and I've been talking a lot about this. So yesterday, I sat down and I felt compelled to basically organize everything that I've downloaded in this past year, especially the, you know, the last、uh, three to four months, and I wrote down a list of lessons or principles, if you if you will. That that are related to how to obtain your ultimate personal freedom. So that's what this episode is is going to be about, because I have this list of principles that I you know. Dumped out on paper, basically as a way to organize all the things that I've been holding and trying to integrate in my consciousness field. Okay, so that's what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to walk you through the list of ten things. You can call them mindsets, you can call them perspectives, or strategies. That I sincerely feel will help you to increase your personal freedom in a time and space that we live in right now. That you know, it almost feels like nothing is certain. Everything is changing so fast, and nobody knows what tomorrow is going to look like. Right? Okay, so. Let's get started, and a lot of these things, you know, I've already talked about in different ways in the previous episodes. But I hope 
when we pull them together, when you look at them together, it will cause some new synergy that will help you to form some new synapses in your brain. Okay. So principle number one, you don't exist. So I talked about this for quite a bit in the last month or two. The idea of a human self, a individual self, really what it boils down to is it's a neurological programming that we inherited from our, uh, you know, biocomputer <laughs> or from our, you know, design as a sentient being. But really, there is no, there's nothing tangible or absolute about the concept of an individual self. And you can perfectly, you're perfectly justified if you instead identify with all there is, all the consciousness that is per, that, that have, that has created the time and space and is permeating in the entire time and space. And basically, you are free to cast your identification anywhere you want, right? So we don't tend to think about this, but really we are the pure consciousness, just pretending to be a small human. And you will gain more freedom when that becomes part of your intrinsic awareness, when that becomes part of your conscious awareness. In other words, give up the loyalty to the perception of the individual I. That's, you know, uh, when I talked about my New Year's, uh, you know, intention for this year, this is something that I'm working towards. And uh, because it's, it's, it's uh, not an easy thing to reprogram that the, the kind of programming that you are born with, you're installed with, right? But, you know, it's, but, but, but the thing is, the more, to, to the extent that you're able to do that, and when I am, you know, better, when I'm able to do that to a bigger extent, I'm more free to be the person that I want to be or to be the person that I feel, you know, there is an intrinsic truth that moves me to become. So that's principle number one. Principle number two, your values and moralities, they're not real either. All the dualistic value judgments that all of us have, and we use them every single second of our waking hours, the right and wrong, the good and bad, the black and white, they are in fact, they're all very, you know, they're, they're all kind of created perspectives, created by our own cons consciousness, and they are more mutable than we typically think. And a good example that, you know, the past year, 
Um, now you know inflation. The past month or so, inflation in the U.S. is really high, right? Because the government is printing a lot of money. But you know, if you if you so there there is a kind of a heated discussion going on right now about the value of currencies. But if you think about it, there's really no in inherent value in a piece of paper that you call a U.S. dollar or you know Argentinian peso or British pound. Right? There is no inherent value. In that you know some squiggles printed on the piece of paper, it has value. It has value as a denomination of、uh, value stored, and you can transact with that piece of paper. It's only because we have a consensus collectively that this is something of value, right? And the same thing. About almost all the so-called value judgments, they are useful to the extent that they are consensus. And when you have consensus, you know the whole human interactions, the entire human society runs more smoothly. But when you look under the hood, really there is nothing real there. Because everything is constructed from consciousness, and the conscious consciousness emerges out of nothing. To give you another example, for the longest time in history, slavery was normal in most part of human society. Right? Even in the country that I live in right now, in the United States. You know, a couple hundred years ago, which was you know really pretty recent, it was considered very much okay and very much normal to have different castes in society, and there is a caste called slaves. Now, if <laughs> Now, if you propose slavery、uh, in any kind of normal social circles, so that you <laughs> people are going to look at you like, what kind of savage you are, right? So, keep in mind, I'm not like pro-slavery here. Okay, I'm just using this as the example that the human value judgments. In most cases, actually, in all cases, it's a very mutable thing. And of course, I feel very fortunate, as a the human the human part of me is very thankful that I live in a time when there is no slavery, and when there is gender equality, when you know. People consider each other as. Having basic human rights, right? So, but that is the human me speaking. If you zoom out and you look at the grand scheme of things, all these value judgments they are very mutable because they are not real. 
the dualistic judgments only exist as a tool to organize the human existence. And I, I think the big part, a big part of their function, of their usefulness, is in saving the processing power for the brain. What do I mean by this? Because, you know, when you, when the brain, when the conscious awareness perceives reality, we basically, what we, what we are used to do, the basic technique of perceiving the world is to put things in boxes, right? Um, there is a color called black and there is a color called white. The reality is there is an infinite number of color of different shades between black and white. And what you call black is typically, if, you, if there is a color on, in, on, you know, in a painting hanging on your wall, you, you call it black, it's typically not totally, totally black, right? But we call it that, and, you were, and we perceive it that way. And for the infinite number of colors <laughs> between black and white, we call them gray. But there is no such thing as gray. That is completely fictional because there is an infinite number of color shades. Okay? Infinitely dividable number of variations between black between the so-called black and the so-called white. That has no name. <laughs> but the thing is, the brain cannot handle an infinite number. So categories are useful. And we just, just for, 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 for the energy saving sake, we call all of that, we dump all of that into the category of gray. But is that reality? No, it's not. And you lose a little bit of freedom when you take the boxes as reality, right? Well, that's what, again, that's what most of us do all day long because it's easy. But if you, at least you're aware that this is not a real thing, that automatically increases your freedom. And number three, we are free to choose all the parameters of our reality down to the very fundamentals. However, <laughs> for most people, we can and we won't make that to take that freedom because that freedom is not free. It comes with cost and it's not convenient. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. When I say all parameters of reality, it's really all parameters because as you know, we've talked about this multiple times, even the time and space, you know, which is the basic building block of our so-called reality, they're merely, they're a very specific version of consciousness perception. So the brain perceives time as linear. It perceives every dimension in space as linear. That's why you have left 
and you have a right, right? So in a world that is not linear, that, that, that makes sense. Left and right only make sense in a world where dimensions are linear, right? But the, the, the truth is it's, it's only one way to perceive. And there are different worlds that can be constructed that are equally valid, that do not have linear dimensions. So left and right, up and down will not make any sense. And fundamentally, really, the, the, the restrictions of, you know, the basic assumptions of time and space and linearity, they are, they all exist within this particular frame of human consciousness. So that, that, that means you, these fundamental parameters, they actually can be changed. But the thing is, if you, if you change these fundamental parameters, you're basically creating a new world from scratch, right? Because they are like the axioms in your mathematical proof that you construct to prove some other points. They're the things that you don't look to prove because they are the bedrock, they're the building block of everything else you construct of the entire reality that you construct on top of it. So it's, it's, it's a lot of work <laughs> to construct that whole reality from a different set of basic parameters. And I, but, but, you know, theoretically that's totally doable, but it's just like, you know, when, when, when you get a new phone, you have all these settings that you can set on the phone, right? If you go to your phone's settings, you can have, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of options to customize everything. So when I get a new phone, it's like, it's asking me to set these, sec these, uh, these settings, right? So you go through those settings one by one, but it gets <laughs> cumbersome very soon, right? And you're like, screw it, I'll just use the default. That's basically what most of us, we, what we do, right? We take the defaults, basically what we inherited from the collective, the consensus parameters, and the parameters that are already built in in the you know, the programming that we are born with, we take those for granted. And because it's easy, <laughs> it's convenient and it works. Why not? However, if you're aware, if at least aware that those factory defaults are not the absolute, are not the real thing, it increases your freedom. Now, you may ask, how does that increase my freedom? <laughs> it increases your freedom because, uh, because you're, because really um, a, on a tangible level, your perception of who you are, your perception of the effect of your actions, your perception of the world are very different compared to someone who insist that this reality is the 
real real. You have a lot of a lot more fluidity and a lot more flexibility to change, to adapt, to embrace new things, and to you know, if something doesn't work, try something new. It's because when when you know that none of this, none of the things that we take for granted are set in stone. So even if you're doing exactly the same thing, when you hold a different mindset, when you have that, you know, deeper insight into how this reality is constructed, it will give you more freedom in the tangible choices that you make in life. Number four. This is highly correlated. The failures or the bad decisions. They're not real either. They don't exist unless you insist that they do. Because again, we uphold value judgments, but it's really it's it's a bet that we made ourselves, and then we choose to lie on. So the thing is, if you make a bet. And the bed is not comfortable. We'll make a new one, right? <laughs> or you go to go to、uh, Home Depot or whatnot and、uh, pick up some、uh, materials and then make a new bed, or order an, a different set of pillows, or duvet covers. I don't know. And make the bed comfortable.、Uh, but instead, what we do most of the time is we take the bed. Which we made ourselves、uh-huh, without consciousness. We take that bed as given, and we try to press ourselves to fit hard into that made-up bed. The made-up bed being our value judgment, our standard of operation, our criteria of what is right and wrong, and what is success and what is failure. While the truth is, no such standard or no such value exists outside of your own consciousness. Of course, your your own consciousness is not your own. It's connected, very much wired, wired up, connected with the collective, with what's the consensus, right? However, if you realize those are not the fundamental truth, then you have the freedom to change it. However difficult it is, and these include the notions of so-called success and failure. And to me, your best bet, if you want more freedom, the best bet is for us to consciously choose the values and the standards that. Allow us to appreciate all your human experiences, because that's ultimately what you come here for. Is you are experiencing these experiences as a human on behalf of consciousness. That's what what we come here to do. We come here to experience, and all such experiences, however, the Human ju- human self judges them. They deserve respect and they deserve appreciation, 
And when you choose your values that allow you to appreciate all your experiences, more or less equally to what extent, to whatever extent possible, that increases your freedom. Now, principle number five, you never die. This is something, you know, I, I, I try to remind myself more often uh, than not when, when I, you know, slip back into my small human's perspective of seeing things. Because it's, it's a constant trap that all of us fall into. We live life as if time is running out on us. And time is running out to get something done before the some some you know finality inevitable finality happens and you know what that is right so that i would say it's it's on the at, at the back burner of of every deadline <laughs> of every, you know, sense of urgency that that you experience in life is like directly and indirectly linking to that. It's one day I'm going to die. But since you don't even exist, how can you die? And I would argue that in a so-called lifetime that we call a lifetime between when your baby you're born to when you you know pass on from this world within the time frame there are so many deaths and rebirths that you will go through and many of you listening you've gone through a bunch of those yourself, and, and that's why you're listening to this. And consciousness is ever evolving. Whether you're occupying the same physical form or not. When you look at, you know, whatever actions that I'm doing, whatever problem I'm having from that perspective, it opens up a lot more room in the psyche. And you realize, okay, um, you're not running a tight grip. You're not, you know, you're, you're not running out of time towards any destination, which Leaves, leads me to number six. There is no such destination. There is no so-called end game. So we talked about this in um, three, four episodes ago. Most of us, we, we, we do most of the things in life as a means to achieve some other end. You go to school to get good grades you get good get grades in order to get uh, graduated you get a degree in order to get a good job 
you get a good job because you want to, you know, be financially independent or put food on the table or whatnot. This chain of events, this chain of in order to and in order to and in order to, can go on forever. And that's what that's how most of us live, right? But if you really trace this chain of actions and these chain of goals, you find there's no end at the end of this chain because nothing has any point by yourself, by itself, and we give the point to everything we do. The consciousness assigns v- meaning, assigns value, assigns judgment to every action and every result. So instead of thinking there is some kind of end game, which you know there is none by now, if you treat every action, if you treat everything you do and every moment you experience as its own end for its own sake as its own end game you have much richer experiences the so-called live life fully that's how that's how you live life fully (laughs) is to treat every moment as its own end game and you are free, you're more free in any given moment. Principle number seven. Optionality increases your freedom. So this is more on the quote-unquote more practical sense and also on a more ethereal sense. Spend time, if, you, if you're wise, you know, if you care about your freedom, spend time and energy creating options for yourself before you need them. And what I mean is, for example, if you have one job tied to one company and you have one source of income and you have one place to live and you have one skill that you can trade for money, you are, you know, operating in a pretty tight space, right? Especially when, if, if any parameters of your external environment changes, you, 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 you may find yourself have, having to make some unpleasant choices or, or you, you may find yourself, okay, I have to do this because I don't have any options especially in a world that is changing very fast. And that's what I mean, creating options before you need them <laughs> is a way to expand your freedom in every, every, every area of your life. And there's also in a more intangible sense, for example, if someone says something nasty to you and you're angry, 
that's totally fine, right? Um, that's natural, legit response. However, if that's the only response that you know how to give, if every thing, if in every situation like this, every time someone triggers you and your only reflexive response is anger, then you don't have options <laughs> with emotions. If instead you know that yes, this you can respond with anger, but you can also choose to respond with something else with other emotions. Then you have then at that point you have more freedom compared to the first situation, right? So whenever you that's that's you you you, you see a lot that's why in a, in a lot of mind, mindfulness trainings people talk about creating space in your awareness so that you do not have a knee-jerk reaction to any situation. That's what they're talking about. Essentially creating more options so that you have freedom. When you have options, when it's not like I have to respond this way because I don't know how else. When you have options, then of course you can respond with anger and you're justified, but it's a, but you're at a different space when you have options and it feels totally differently, right? So number eight, identity. Identity is like a prison that we all living in willingly. It's like this, um, it, it, it's a basically a collection of values, personalities, habits, names, labels, and your, you know, self-concept as a human. Basically, in other words, everything that we talked about that are not real, <laughs> packaged together, uh, and you put a bowl on top, you call it a identity. And when you when you put it that way, when you put a label on that collection, it looks like more real than it actually is. So identity is su such an interesting thing because it's needed in any, you know, social relational interactions. And for any for most of relational interactions, you need some level of consistency. Right. And there are also other social ramifications if you don't have identity on people. <laughs> it makes society more stable at the end of the day. However, if you like totally buy into your identity, the more you are tied to an identity, no matter what it is, whether it's related to a job, it's related to a social role, a relational role, or it's related to, you know, a ID card, the more you're tied to an identity, the less free you are. 
both in a practical sense, in a psychological sense, and in a spiritual sense. So we talked about in the last episode of, you know, about creating, essentially creating optionality around your identity. The internet <laughs> makes it easier to do, makes it more possible at least, right? But what I'm, look, what, what I'm really looking at and I'm looking forward to in the next decade is decentralized blockchain technologies. I think that will really expand human freedom around identity because they will allow people to have identities that are not like everything tied into one like right now, I'm Natasha Che, and everything I do is as Natasha Che, right? Well, I can I can go online and have another name or another identity and do something else, but for the most part, all of my more important activities they're tied to this one identity that is called Natasha Che, right? Um, the under the underlying reality of about who Natasha Che is may have changed a thousand times like we talked about in the beginning, right? I feel like I'm a different person compared to a year ago. You probably also feel the same or something similar because so much has changed. But your identity on surface, on surface it stays the same. How absurd if you think about it. <laughs> but at least, you know, it, what I'm looking forward to is new technologies that allow people to maintain some level of trust and credibility, but at the same time, not necessarily having everything, every important activity of their life tied to a ID card, right? So um, that's, that's an important area of development. I think it's, it's something to watch for in, in the next decade. I think that would that would really change the sense of freedom that people have. Number nine. The less you value your ego, the more freedom you have. When I look, this is something, uh, you know, interesting because when I look at what I do all day long, you know, um, what I spend money on, or what do I look, what do I look at online? Uh, what, what do I talk to people about? You, you realize that most of us, we spend all day doing what I call the ego maintenance business. Basically, we, we, we do things that maintain the sense of identity, maintain, protect the sense of ego, um, maintain a sense of who we think we are. And if you operate entirely, the more, the more you operate within this frame, within this mindset, the less free will you have. So... We, 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 we can argue about what, what free will is and, you know, if there is really any free will at all. But 
one thing I know for sure is if you operate, the more you operate within the ego maintenance framework, you basically have no free will because what we will be doing is simply follow our longstanding personal programming. And you will be, in other words, the more you're invested or you're loyal to your ego and your individual identity, the more predictable you are. That's, that's, that's why, <laughs> that's why Amazon and Netflix uh, and, and Facebook know you better than you yourself or your therapist or your spouse. Uh, because, you know, most of the things we do follow predictable programming routines because that's everything that, you know, in, in that regard is, is working towards uh, health maintaining and upholding the ego. So sometimes, you know, I, I love doing creative work, but sometimes doing creative work is very hard when I have to write or code or, you know, uh, doing a soundcast like what I'm doing now. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing. And, and it's not an easy thing for many people. And we oftentimes have to pro find ourselves procrastinating on those things that we know that is going to give us a sense of fulfillment in the long term. Why? <laughs> because they are, they, they oftentimes can be very challenging to the existing perception of the ego, right? And in, in, it's, it's tied to this concept of success and failure. A lot of procre creative procrastination is a fear of failing. And, and where does that come from, essentially, is ego maintenance, right? We don't want to, quote unquote, fail because that, that's like inconsistent with our self-perception of uh, who we are as this, as a human, as a human self. But, but, but really it boils down to all of this is friction and baggage. And, you know, in the course of whatever you do. And when you take that out of the equation, when you take that out of your day, <laughs> in other words, when you really understand that you don't really exist <laughs> to whatever to to whatever you know extent possible, you 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 will find yourself to start having more free will because you you find you you find it so much easier to 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 operate following what the you know, the, the source of creativity in you intends to go. And, and, and also you, 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 you would not need a psychotherapy <laughs> because, uh, you know, um, you don't have to agree with me on this, but a, a huge part of psychotherapy is ego maintenance. Uh, <laughs> The ego is broken and needs to be healed. 
And that's that's a lot of uh, the, what, what what therapy is trying to do, which is totally justified and totally helpful uh, when when you're operating from a uh, from the perspective of a human self. But is that the truth? Is that totally necessary? Well, not if you. If if your if your pursuit is more freedom, so principle number ten: the less you hold sacred, the more freedom you have. This is something that、uh, basically the 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 this is the ethos of of the last year. That.、Um, Many of us, I feel, we have found the reason that your consciousness has changed, or my consciousness has changed so much. A important trigger of that is that something happened, a change happened in the external world that make us that made us realize, oh, turns out this is not as real as I thought. And you and 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 when that happens, when that trigger happens, it all almost always it triggers some kind of shift, some kind of evolution in the consciousness, right? Because you realize, oh, I thought all these things, all these principles and values and standards and beliefs, they were set in stone, they were the norm, and they work. Turns out they don't. Turns out they are fungible and changeable. So、um, that's why that's an important reason why I think we are living in a time uh, that is uh, uh, on the that we are on the brink of a quantum leap in consciousness evolution. Because when external environment it triggers so much kind of disruption. In your existing belief system, your synapses, your neural programming, kind of you know, is will be trying to fumble around and try to make sense of it all, right? And sooner or sooner or later, it triggers some kind of change. So normally, people, all of us, you know, we we are installed with the self protection programming. We are very skeptical of new things, and we are very comfortable with status quo, and we hold on to our existing values and standards and beliefs. And in normal times, that's for the most part, that's totally fine, and that's the optimal survival programming, right? But that is not the kind of programming that gives you more freedom. If you want more freedom, you do the opposite. In other words, skeptical of the old, and curious, be curious of the new. Especially true in the in this day and age, where really, literally, the existing institutions, frameworks, what we call norms and standards, they are depreciating fast. All of them. So, it's 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 really 
uh, in a fast-changing time like this, it's almost a evolutionary advantage when you kind of when you do the opposite, flip the security-oriented programming that all of us are endowed with by being born as a member of humanity. So, and there are so many of these changes to come. I, I don't know what they are, but the thing is, if you look at the last century, the first half of the 20th century, we saw the rise and the dissolution of several empires, at least three that I can think of right now. Two world wars and a great economic depression. And we, all of us, we, you know, <laughs> almost nuked in a nuclear bomb fire. <laughs> that all happened in the first 50 years of the 20th century, right? But um, we came through, that humanity collectively came through. And it, it, it came through stronger than ever, and, it, and now it's more evolved. But the thing is, it doesn't mean every individual came through, right? And the thing is, in fast-changing times, the kind of, if your MO is to hold on to your existing MO, it's, it's, uh, it becomes a disadvantage. Uh, setting aside the, you know, the pursuit of freedom. So um, that's what I want to tell you today about my uh, downloads since yesterday, um, which basically, you know, is a collection of all the things that has um, triggered some shifts in me, and I'm trying to, you know, collect them together and. Uh, um, present them together to you in a more coherent way um, that help you to put all the pieces together and hopefully create some new uh, synapses triggers in your brain. Okay, that's all for today. I will talk to you next time.